of First John, in case you were wondering. We'll be looking at that book. So when? Anybody know? Anybody any, any ideas? So a month. Just anybody? No. Um, May. We're going to go through all the way through May to the first Sunday in June. So we're camping out on First John for a long time. So my encouragement to you, maybe even a challenge to you, is to read the book of First John, let's say ten times. Read the book of First John ten times by the first Sunday in June. You're like, what? That's craziness, crazy talk. Yes, it is crazy talk, but it's really not. It's only five chapters. So if you do that ten times, all you would have to do is read it like, what, twice a month? I think that's pretty easy. If you can't do that, read it once a month. We're not legalists here. Uh, so, First John chapter 1. We're looking at verses 8 through 10 this morning. So, verses 8 through 10. Uh, and we're going to actually, as we start out, look at verses 8 and 10. Yeah, you're right. You're good. Uh, verses 8 and 10, and we'll come back to verse 9. Because 8 and 10 are actually almost like mirror images of one another. But before we get into that, we need to review a little bit about what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, God's love, and, and we talked about His truth that abides in us, and the light, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness. So if we claim to be in the light, and we walk in darkness, then we what? We lie. We basically call ourselves liars. Every day as we walk in darkness instead of walking in light. And remember we said, you know, we are going to stumble. We are going to sin. We are going to make choices that are wrong. They're sin. But we're talking about a pattern, a lifestyle of darkness. And so we look at verses 8 and 10 and he kind of, kind of gets into that a little bit more. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Remember, truth is equated with the light, right? Light and truth are equal here in this passage. So the truth, the light, God himself is not in us. If we say if we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I don't know about you, but uh, I think God, the actual name God, has taken a pretty big hit over the years. We don't consider the word God sacred anymore. As a matter of fact, you know, even my little kids, is like Sydney's seven, she's at school, and she hears, you know, God's name taken in vain a lot. It's like, oh, God. And, and, and people say it, and, you know, and parents try to, you know, let's, let's get Christian words, you know, to say gosh instead and things like that. And, and we try to, like, just change the word just a little bit so it sounds better. But the word God has, is, is really not revered anymore. It's really not respected but back when this book was written, 1 John, to actually say that you make God out to be a liar, that is like cause for death, for you to be killed. Okay? So in the Jewish realm there, the, the word God itself, as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even use a certain word for God when they were writing God's name. They would use other words like Jehovah and things like that because they couldn't actually say God's name out loud in their culture because it was so respected. So to actually say that you make God out to be a liar is basically equivalent to you 
being convicted of something like murder. It's like having the death penalty. And so we don't want to kind of gloss over that, oh, liar, you know, I lie all the time, you know, whatever, no big deal. No, to call God a liar in this passage was a very serious offense. And so there, apparently, First John was, or John was dealing with some Christians here who actually claimed to be Christians, and they were actually saying, I really haven't sinned before. <laughs> no, I'm good. What sin? I don't even know what that is. And they were making not only themselves out to be a liar, but they were even making God out to be a liar because the truth was not in them. So now we'll jump into verse 9, the main part of our lesson this morning, 1 John 1, 9. And a lot of you probably, anybody in here memorized this verse before? Raise your hand. If you have this verse memorized, it's going to be like, what verse? The one on the screen. Uh, anybody have this memorized? Raise your hand. Real high. All right. A good amount of you have this verse memorized. Probably more of you, and you, don't, you just don't want people looking at you and raising your hand. Or your armpits stink and you want to keep them down. Uh, so, hopefully they don't. I mean, you probably got a shower or a bath. But anyway, and deodorant. I don't know why. Uh, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Very common verse. One of the most common verses outside of John 3.16. Now, if I had you read, how many of you have memorized John 3.16? A little bit more hands, yeah. Uh, one of the most common verses, but this is a very common verse. The question, I guess, I would ask you first is, do you think this verse, or, or I guess I'll ask it this way, how many of you have heard this verse in relation to your salvation, like trusting Christ as your Savior? Have you ever heard this verse used that way? I have. I'll raise both hands because I heard it a lot growing up. A lot of us have heard this verse and dealing with your moment or your, your time where you trusted Christ and prayed a prayer. But if you think about the verse and, and who this passage was written to, who was it written to? Does anybody remember? The options are Christians or non-Christians. Who was it written to? Anybody know? Christians. The book was actually written to Christians. So if John is writing this book to Christians, the first hint that it, this verse probably isn't dealing with your salvation would be the, the point and the, the destination of who he's writing to. So your first inclination is, wait, this might not be a verse that's saying salvation. Another reason why it might not mean that it's talking about the gospel and that you need to pray this prayer and you need to do this stuff in order to be a Christian in God's eyes, is that what if when you're confessing your sins for salvation, for to be a child of God, what if you forget some of your sins? And you don't confess them all. Does that mean God's got a little counter there and he's like, wait a second. You've had 752 sins, and you only confessed 749. You've got three more to go, and I hope you remember them before you die. Because if not, you're going to hell, buddy. Is that what God's doing? No. So the idea that you've got to confess every sin before 
God accepts you and, and you come into this relationship with God is, is pretty crazy. And so this concept of confession, it's a little different in this verse. Another reason why is because at, when, when you trust Christ and you become a child of God, it's based on faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the what? Anybody know? It is the what of God. It starts with G. By grace you've been saved. It's the... No. Gift. Thank you. Gift. It's the gift of God. It's a gift that He gives you. It's on faith. And if it's based on how many sins you confessed, then it's not grace. It's how many sins you confessed. It's what you did versus what God did through His Son. So it's faith alone. Now, don't disregard the concept of confession because that's what we're going to spend time on the rest of the part. What is confession for then? So 1 John 1.9 challenges us in the area of confession. And there's a few reasons why we should confess. First of all, what is confession? Anybody have any idea what confession is? What is confession? Someone, yeah. When you say or admit that you did something wrong, very simple, yeah. Confession is just admitting, being humble about it, saying, yep, I messed up. Confession is not, yeah, I might have done something wrong, but my sister, but what about, but my teacher antagonized me. My, my, my friend, they talked me into it. Right? They put it. They put the test on the edge of the desk so I could see it. It's partially that you're not confessing. Confession that has nothing to do with anybody else. Confession is you. And you alone between you and God. Confession should never include another person in the sense that when you're talking to God. Now, confession does include other people when it comes to the people you sin against. So confession is basically admitting that you're wrong. And so it's commanded by God in Matthew 6, 11 and 12. I think we have it up there. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, in that, that's the part of the Lord's Prayer. And in that part of the Lord's Prayer, everybody look up here, look up here. Focus. Yes, thank you. Uh, so it's important for us to think about the Lord's Prayer. Here he's not talking about money. When we think of debt, we're thinking, oh, our country is in major debt, <laughs> which we are. Ridiculous amount of debt. Or my parents are in debt. Or my sister's gone to college, she's in debt. That's not what he's talking about here. Debts here in this passage are basically saying the things that you've done wrong towards somebody. So forgive us our debts, forgive us those things that we've done wrong, just as we forgive other people. And so God commands that in the Lord's Prayer for us to confess. And then also the next thing is that it brings clear communication. Between you and God and between others. Uh, Psalm 66, verse 18. Cherished sin in your heart. You think about this one. David's talking here and he says, If I had cherished iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Cherishing sin, meaning those sins that we talked about last week that you make a practice of. 
cherishing them in your heart. You have this secret place in your heart for that sin that nobody knows, right? You, you, you older guys, you know, in your room, you know, when you're on the internet, that place, right? That nobody else knows. Oh, the door is shut. That's cool. The door is locked. Oh, that's even better. Girls, the secret place in your heart where you get into things that girls get into, and I'm not going to stereotype totally, but for example, gossip. Guys gossip too, don't get me wrong, but girls are a lot better at it. Gossip. Talking about somebody behind their back. Talking bad about somebody. Making fun of somebody. Criticizing. But you keep that little place in your heart, and that's your little, little uh, sin world. That's your little dark spot, right? Cherishing sin in your heart. And what does David say? God's not listening. God hears everything. The concept isn't like God's like, oh, you know, like you do sometimes to your sister or brother, you know, I don't want to hear you and you really annoy them, you know. I never did that. Uh, so it's not like God's doing that. God knows everything. He hears everything. But the point is that God is not taking in your requests. He's not taking in your supplications. He's not really taking in the things that you're saying because you're hiding that sin in your heart. And you're cherishing that sin. And it wrecks the communication that God tries to have between Him and the Holy Spirit, between His Son and you as you live out your life. Some of you think, well, how in the world could my dad do this? It is just a horrible thing. And he says he's a Christian. How could he do that? How could my friend do that? Or maybe even personalize it. How could I do this stuff? I don't know why I call myself a Christian, but I... And it's this, this process the Bible describes that takes place in your life a lot of times where you callous yourself to the voice of God. And you sin and there's no confession that takes place and there's no relationship there where you confess and have this humble attitude toward God. And it gets to the point where it's really the confession is gone. And all it is is sin. How can you communicate through that? A holy, righteous God and a person that never confesses, it's very difficult <laughs> to have clear communication. But not only between communication between God and us, but also between others. So the first one, 1 Timothy 2.5, I think we have it up there as well, right? No, okay. 1 Timothy 2.5, uh, I'll read it for you guys here. Does anybody have it? You want to read it? 1 Timothy 2, 5. Got it? Why don't you read it for us? Right. There's one God, yeah, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus himself is in between us and God because God can't see us, the filthy, rotten, stinking sinners. God is holy. He's perfect. So God offered His Son, the Holy Son of God, to actually be the mediator for us. Kind of like a lawyer and a judge, right? And He goes before God and speaks to God on our behalf. And when God sees us, He doesn't see us anymore. He actually is able to see Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God. And so that communication between God is clear because of His Son. 
And so the communication, also the lines are actually fixed between others as well. James uh, chapter 5, verse 16. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there's the passages there. So you think about this. Some of us might be okay with confessing our sins to God. Some of you might do that every night. You're like, before you go to bed, you're like, God, I did this. I yelled at my mom. I cheated on a test. Uh, I don't know, kick somebody that was getting in my way. I don't know, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, I was on the Internet. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I watched some things. I listened to some things. Things that came into my ears. Things that were, were seen by my eyes. And I'm confessing to you, God, what I've done. But some of you have an issue where you have a hard time confessing to others. How many of you have a hard time confessing your sin to others? Anybody? Am I alone? Raise your hand, everybody. Just raise it. And, and repeat after me. I have a hard time confessing to others. Thank you. You can put your hand up. Thank you for admitting that, even though I made you. See, so you had a hard time even doing that. To me. We have a hard time confessing because it takes humility. It actually takes you saying, I did you wrong. Right? And that's hard to say. I was wrong. I don't want to say it. I was... And then you kind of go around it like... Sorry. You, you, you don't even look at the person. Or it's like, again, you, you include them in the sin. But I'm sorry that you caused me to do that, right? This indirect confession that is really cause, calling them to confess to you. Uh, really isn't confession, Okay? Confession is saying, humbly saying, I did this wrong against you, and, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And here's the deal. You, you say, Tim, I don't understand this. You know, I don't understand why you would say you need to ask forgiveness or confess your sins to God because didn't God offer His Son, Jesus Christ, as the cover for all of our sins? And that sin is forgiven, Right? So if the sin is already forgiven, and it's already covered, and I can't ever do anything to get rid of God's love, aren't we cool? Right? I mean, it's already forgiven. God sent His Son 2,000 years ago, so what's the big deal? His blood already covered it, right? That's the attitude a lot of us take. I know I've taken it. Well, what would that be like? Okay, say... Alright, we got Blair here. I'm going to pick on Blair. Uh... Say Blair. Uh, Blair's on a basketball team. And say Blair uh, constantly badmouths to her teammates. And she does it behind their back. She does it to their face. She yells at them on the court. She dogs them all the time. And she's just a horrible person. I know that Blair doesn't do that. But say she did. And, and you have, actually have a teammate here. Allison here. Imagine she did that especially to Allison. Nice, sweet Allison, right? And she's like always bad-mouthing Allison through her face, behind her back. And, and then, but she knew she's her, her good friend, right? She's one of her best friends. So, hey, she still loves me, right? That's what Blair's going to say. Allison knows I love her. I'm just giving her a hard time. I, I'm just telling it like it is, right? I'm speaking truth. 
I'm being real. Or some people, uh, you know, they excuse their sin against others by, I'm just keeping it real. Right? Yeah, keeping it real by bashing somebody, that's not okay. So Blair is saying this, and it, we're cool. And so oh, you think Allison's going to be okay with that? Allison, you know I love you, right? You know we're friends. We're cool. Just, just keep talking about me, whatever, you know? That's, that sounds stupid, right? But that's what we do with God. When we take that approach and say, well, God's cool. He sent His Son. His, his blood covered that sin. So we're cool, right? I don't ever have to say in humility, God, I'm sorry, God, I've sinned against you. God, I'm wrong. That would actually mean me admitting something. But you know the cool thing about that? The relationship there is restored. If Blair finally breaks down and realizes she's being a complete jerk, <laughs> this is all hypothetical, I'm not calling you a jerk. But if she finally broke down and, and poured her heart out to Allison, I think as a good friend, Allison would say, you know what, I think we're good. You know, our relationship is, our communication is, is better now. I, I don't know if Allison would love her more necessarily because hopefully her love is unconditional. She'd probably like her more though. <laughs> you know, do you love me or like me? Love is unconditional. Like is like, <laughs> depending on what you're doing. But it, it's interesting that we kind of take this attitude toward God like, we don't really need to talk to you about that stuff because you already know it, right? You already know what I did. You saw me cheat. You saw me curse somebody out. You saw me yell at my mom. You saw me slam that door. You saw me on the internet. You saw me, you see, you heard me, blah, 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 on it goes. But no, God needs to hear from your mouth confession. And confession is something that heals that relationship. And confession is something that opens those lines of communication so the Holy Spirit can speak more clearly to you and that you can hear His Word and hear Him guiding you and directing you. It's not something where, you know, you're going to lose God's love. Just like I said with Allison, too, although Allison's not perfect like God. But Bill wasn't necessarily going to lose her love, necessarily, if she really loved her. But God is the ultimate example of love. You'll never lose His love based on your actions. My point is that your relationship and that your interaction, that your communication continues to improve and why would you not confess to someone that you've hurt? Why would you not admit humbly and say, God, I'm sorry. I screwed up again. And it helps you understand that relationship. So what do we confess as we go to our rooms here in a second? What do we confess? And say, Tim, uh, you know, it's great. Your, your points on confession, the points from the Word of God on confession are great. But what are the things I confess? I'm not sure. If you have to ask the question, what do I confess, there might be a communication problem already between you and God. You hear me? Let me look up here. So antsy. Some of you over here are just like, it's like, man, just chill out. <laughs> Seriously, it's like you ate a, a box of like frosted flakes this morning. Just relax and stay still. It's okay. We're almost done. But think about it. If you have to ask, what do I need to confess? There's some communication that's off because you should already know. 
If you're walking with God, if you're reading His Word, if you're in prayer each day, and you're sensing that Holy Spirit, then guess what? When you say something, for example, God does a funny thing where I'm preparing for a lesson today. He always has a sense of humor to show me that lesson, and I have to practice it that week. And that wasn't anything different than this week where uh, Noah was coming off being sick. He's sitting in his seat, and he's screaming his head off because he's really stubborn. Stubborn and sick don't really go well together. And so he's sitting in his seat. We're supposed to be getting ready for dinner, and he only wants certain things, and he's screaming his head off. Not just like, ah, blah, you know. It's like, ah! And I'm just like, what in the world? I'm trying to get Candace to help. I'm, co- I'm actually cooking dinner. Candace is trying to do it. And, and I basically was speaking to Candace in a way that was not showing love at all. I know, surprising. That's crazy. Parents actually talk to each other in a way that's not honoring to God. But that's what I was doing. I'm like, can you please get the drinks? And I'm like, come on. Help him out over here. Why is he screaming? Fix him. You know, hit the reset button or something. I don't know. This dude is crazy. And, and he's freaking out. So what does that do to me? I start freaking out. And, and I act in a way and I talk in a way that doesn't glorify God. And I actually told Candace, I said, man, this is crazy how God does this. I'm working on a lesson on confession. And here I am. i got to confess to you, right, that I was wrong. God has a cool way of humbling us. And so that relationship was restored because I confessed with my mouth. I opened my mouth up, but I didn't blame her. And I just said I was wrong. And so that was the Holy Spirit saying, Tim, guess what? That was wrong. And there's a relationship I have with God that pushes me to confess. So the question is, first, do you have that relationship with God? Because if you don't, you're not going to know what to confess. But hopefully in that relationship with God, you do. Do you have a longing to know God? Do you sense a need for confession? When you have that relationship and constant communication, you will know through the power of the Holy Spirit what you should be confessing. It will eat you alive. When you do that, that thing against that teacher and, and you know there's something you should do, it will bother you. It will annoy you. And you can kind of push it aside and keep pushing it aside and eventually it might go away. But it will annoy you and bother you if you have that walk with God. Do you have that sense, that need for confession in your life? Let's pray. Lord God, we pray as we think about confession in our breakout groups, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, reveal the need for that, not just for you, but uh, to you, but to others that you will reveal that to us and reveal our need for you. Reveal our need for a, lo- a longing, to give us a longing to know you, to glorify you, to, to live for you, because that's really why we are here. Not to be great in our own eyes or great in the world's eyes uh, in, in de- defining by what we do, but being defined by who we are in you and who we live for, which is you. Lord, work on us this morning about confession. Challenge us in our breakouts. In your name we pray. Amen. You can stack your chairs. And if you're staying for the media team, just meet up front here for a brief second. Just meet up on the stage or by the stage. And head out to your rooms and hopefully we'll see you at C Groups this Wednesday. Leaders, if you need questions, they're on the back wall. If you need uh, breakout questions. Yes, ma'am.